influence, and not just to talk about influence in the sense of uh, trying to convince you that it exists. I think we all understand that uh, influence is something that we have and that affects us. But rather, look at kind of the impact of it and look at what it might mean for us, just the idea of influence. Uh, so Joshua had spent seven years conquering that land that he had spied out so many years ago. Um, he spent about seven years conquering it, and he never totally conquered it in his lifetime. He put the Israelites in a position to finish the job, but by the time his life was concluding, it wasn't done. And so at the end of his life, he has a lot of exhortation for them, one, to serve the Lord, and two, really to continue to obey the voice of the Lord, believe that they can continue to take the land. That's kind of the two-part thing that he's advocating or exhorting them toward at the end of his life. And in fact, in Exodus 23, uh, you can look there if you want, or in Deuteronomy 7, 22. Exodus 23, 29, and 30, and Deuteronomy 7, 22. I'm not going to read both of those, but I will read the Deuteronomy passage. This is what God says about taking the land. In Deuteronomy 7.22, this is what said, The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them all at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. In Exodus 23, God says something that's almost the exact same. He says it a little bit differently. But this idea that it's going to be bit by bit, little by little. God has his reasons for that. It's actually out of care for them that he doesn't do it that way. So that they'd have cities to inherit and places that are tamed and gardens that are growing. Keep the commandment of the Lord. Conquer the land. You know it's going to be little by little, right? It's a lot better for me personally if I know whatever it is I'm taking on, if I know the timeline, you know? If I have an expectation of it being a really quick thing and it takes a lot longer, I get a lot more angry or frustrated than I would have if I had known up front it was going to be that amount of time. right? Um, and God tells them up front, this is not going to be quick. This is going to be little by little. And so what Joshua is telling them at the end of his life, you know, you're going to choose to either serve God or you're going to choose to serve another God. Whatever your choice is, I am going to serve the Lord. You need to obey the voice of the Lord. And actually, when we get to the beginning of uh, Judges, which we'll read here in a minute, this is going to be emphasized again. Josh's influence doesn't actually change the hearts of some people. And we're going to talk about um, why that is here in a moment. So I say all of this long introduction to say that at the end of Joshua's seven years of conquering this land that he's known he was going to be involved with, that God had promised him for a long time, he hadn't quite finished the job. He knows it's going to be little by little, and he's trying to encourage the people to stick with God. Right? Let's read a couple other verses in Joshua 24, if you're still there. Um, at the very end of the chapter, verses 30 and 31. Joshua 24, verses 30 and 31. And they buried him, that is Joshua, in his own inheritance at Timnath-Zerah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Joshua's influence here, I think, can't be understated. 
Um, certainly, uh, and we're going to talk even more about this a little bit later, the people had to make up their own minds. Joshua couldn't make a decision for them. But at the exhortation of Joshua, by the life that he lived, by the fruitfulness of his work, by God's blessing and providence of being with them, they were convinced that they should follow the Lord. In fact, Joshua's words echo so profoundly and ring so true to these people that it's not just while Joshua is alive they serve. It's as long as the people that were kind of working with Joshua live out their lives, the people are faithful. Okay? Um, I don't know if I've ever had an influence like that. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'd have to wait to the end of my life for someone to maybe be recording what's gone on after me to know really what's what's happened. But what an, a thing to aspire to, to be able to say that not only you were faithful to God your whole life, but that you encouraged others to do so. And even after you're gone, that actually unfolded. That happened because, partly because of your encouragement. Um, the influence of Joshua is, is a major piece, I believe, in the faithfulness of the people. In fact, the reason, part of the reason why I believe that is because of what we see happen in Judges, um, the book immediately preceding the book of Joshua. If you want to go ahead and turn there, uh, Judges 1 starts with kind of a recounting. Like, hey, these are all the lands that Joshua and the people conquered. And it even kind of tells us again that Joshua dies. And in Judges chapter 2, let's read verse 6 through 10 here uh, to see another thing that I want us to focus in on. Joshua, or Judges chapter 2, verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath, uh, Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. All right, this really sets up the book of Judges. I think that's why there's a recounting of kind of Joshua being alive. We have a little bit of an overlap to make this statement again. Not only the positive, Joshua's influence had affected a whole, like, seems like generation of people being faithful to the Lord. But then consequently, there did end up coming a generation that, and I'm going to insert this, this isn't in the text, but didn't know Joshua. And they didn't know the works of the Lord, more importantly. And they didn't trust uh, what he had done for Israel. He didn't know, they didn't know what he had done for Israel. Which I think by implication, and I hope you'll find that this is reasonable. If not afterwards, if you disagree with me, you can let me know. We can talk about it because um, it is my opinion. I think it's reasonable to think that a big part of why the generation prior had stuck with the Lord is not because their eyes had seen physically what was going on. We know that even when they were coming out of Egypt, Israelites rebelled against the Lord having seen the Red Sea parted. It wasn't about seeing the stuff happen. I think a big part of it was having Joshua recount to them all the time the faithfulness of God. Not that they hadn't seen it necessarily, but to have someone committed to serving the Lord 
that he could recount the works that God had done for them. That he could remind them of who God was. Right? He had been on the mountain or about around the mountain with Moses. That's what in Judges uh, 2 verse 10 it says to us, There arose a generation who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. It's not that the, the tablets of stone weren't still around. It's not that the tabernacle didn't exist. It's not that any of these things that just a generation prior had happened didn't happen. It's that they didn't pay attention to them. They didn't know them. So who's the next Joshua? You know, there's not a, a, another Joshua character that rises up and creates a whole generation of faithfulness in the same way that Joshua did. I wanted to look at this, um, Joshua 24 and Judges 2, to make a really simple point that has probably been abundantly clear. Serving God matters and influencing other people to do that matters. What undergirds all of that is God's faithfulness. You can serve God all you want. If he's not faithful, then it doesn't really matter. Um, I can remember the works of God all that I want, but if he's not faithful to continue them, it doesn't really matter. Um, so certainly I don't want to undermine God's faithfulness in this, but serving God and influencing other people to do that because God is faithful and he has done works for Israel and he does uh, show us the way forward is important. All right, so all of that in Judges 24, or Joshua 24, Judges chapter 2, um, to illustrate one person who had great influence. All right, what I want to talk about as far as application is some lessons that we learn in this. This is a really simple, I guess you might call this a sermon. This is a simple uh, lesson this morning. Mostly because I wanted to actually zero in on some of the lessons learned from this, not necessarily a super in-depth Bible study of Joshua 24 and Judges chapter 2. Um, so we have Joshua, a really faithful man in his lifetime, encouraging people to be faithful, encouraging them to obey the commandments of the Lord, continue to conquer the land, trust that God, uh, they knew who God was and that he did work among them. And for a little while that happened. But we know consequently a generation arises that didn't. All right. One of the lessons that I think I learned in this, and you may come up with more, is one godly person can influence a whole generation of people. That's probably the biggest observation that we've made up to this point. Joshua has a huge positive influence or impact on the whole generation, um, or even maybe two depending on how you count this because of his own generation, even the generation that sort of was before him. And then the one past. Uh, but also the positive influence of someone has a limit. And it really pairs kind of with lesson 2B. And that is individuals really are the ones who make decisions. My influence has limits because I can't force a decision on you. right? If I could, then my influence would be limitless. Right? If I could force Angela to make a decision, I would say, Angela, this is a decision you need to make. Good thing I made it for you. Done. Influence. Perfect. Right? Joshua and uh, Joshua 24 has done everything he can. And if anyone ever was as close to the ability of making a decision for someone, 
it was Joshua. Like he was as close as you could be, but he still couldn't make the decision for them. Right? He was their leader. He was God's like mouthpiece to them. He was God's like sword through the country for them. He was everything, but he still couldn't force a decision on them. And so in Joshua 24, he says, you know, you have a choice to make, right? The influence that I have on other people should be positive. It should be to serve the Lord. It should cast a wide net. I shouldn't pick who I influence with that, right? But at the same time, I have to realize, like, as big as my influence could be and as much as I want to influence, at the end of the day, you have to make a decision, right? It's not generational. Like, a generation doesn't just conclude what's best for that generation, right? It's not any kind of collective. Now, what's nice about the text in Joshua 24 is it seems like a whole generation of people make a decision to heed the advice of Joshua and to serve the Lord. But that generation is comprised of just a bunch of people Individuals that made a decision. So what I mean by that is I can't convince a council or heads of homes to form a contract or a compact or whatever agreement that this whole generation has to follow. Right? I can't elect a president for the 20-somethings and convince him to follow the Lord, which makes all the 20-somethings follow the Lord. Right? Like That's not how any of this works. My influence has to impact Blake on an individual level. And then it has to influence James. Then it has to influence Richard. And at the end of the day, Blake may have to say, well, I'm going to serve the Lord because I know who he is and I trust that he's working. And Josh has helped me make that decision. And Richard's going to have to make that same decision. And James and Robin and so on. I can't force a collective or generational uh, agreement on this. And so the individuals of Joshua's day committed. We see the elders committing to that which we assume means that their families would be committed just as joshua's was perhaps even their uh you know this idea is kind of foreign to me but maybe even they had influence over their clan so to speak right but they couldn't speak for the others and so we see that individuals are really the ones that commit to following god another lesson i see in this is that god judges every generation and every person independently from the others and what I mean by judge is not necessarily negative. I'm just saying that he makes a judgment. He sees either faithfulness or unfaithfulness based on individuals. Right? There's a whole lot of text in the Bible that talks about this. Um, maybe some of the most pointed is text in Ezekiel where God makes the point, I don't judge a, a son based on the sins of his father and vice versa. But I think even in Joshua 24, Judges 2, we see that that's true. Joshua and his family served the Lord. The elders and their families and that generation served the Lord. Are they guilty of the sins of the people and judges too? No. They arose separately in God's eyes and they didn't serve God. Well, conversely, are the people and judges too righteous because of their fathers serving the Lord and judges or Joshua twenty four? I'm gonna keep flipping those this whole lesson. <laughs> Joshua twenty four? No, right? We know the whole book of Judges is this cycle of people repenting and then falling away and repenting and falling away. And like they're guilty of their life. Yeah. 
I think these are really, really basic lessons. I'm, I am not pretending that this is you know, a doctorate thesis on influence or anything like that, but they're important to remember because oftentimes when I think about influence, I assume my influence is limitless, and I would never say that, but the way I act kind of assumes that. Like, oh, why doesn't this person do da-da-da-da? Well, your influence is only so much, right? And the other thing is you don't have to, to feel guilty that your influence hasn't changed someone. Like if you're doing the best that you can like Joshua, I don't think any of us would read his story and his faithfulness and say Joshua could have done more. And yet there still arose a generation in Judges 2 that didn't know the Lord. Well, why not? Well, maybe Joshua's generation didn't do a great job of teaching the next one. Well, why not? Joshua did. So we have to realize these these facts. And so I want to move into some applications from these really, really basic lessons that I'm I'm focusing on. One is that you need to aspire to be a Joshua. There's a lot of ways that that's true. Me and Josh already have it down because that's our name, right? Um, there's two of us in this room that have already got this. Um, all joking aside, you know, the name, whatever, the character is where you need to be, right? The character is what you need to line up with. The faithfulness is what matters. Your family needs a Joshua. Whatever your family may look like, that family needs a Joshua. Your workplace needs a Joshua. This church, your church, whatever, wherever that may normally be, needs a Joshua. Your friends, your friend group needs a Joshua. Who's going to be the person that's influencing your family? Who's going to be the person that speaks up on the behalf of your friends and tries to influence them? It's either going to be someone like Joshua who's interested in serving the Lord and committing to that and teaching that and helping them know and letting them see how God's working. Or it's going to be someone else who's not at all interested in that. And they'll be their own version of Joshua that's going to be much more like Judges 2 than Joshua 24. Right? Everybody's influenced by something. There's going to be people looking for advice all the time. There's going to be kids looking to others for examples to turn to, whether they realize it or not. There's going to be coworkers that are in a tough place. And without even realizing they're doing it sometimes, they're looking around for someone to help or to listen to them. Right? They're going to find it somewhere. And the question is whether or not we're going to be the ones who are serving God speaking up or whether we're going to let that influence come from something else or somewhere else. Right? We all need Joshua's in our lives. So aspire to be a Joshua. Aspire to influence the people around you to serve God. Aspire to be the one that commits to lead your friend group, your family group, just like Joshua did. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? Be that person. What is the effect of your influence? You know, I think that's one uh, kind of litmus test for whether or not you're a Joshua. Do people get closer to God from your influence? Or, do they, <clears throat> or is it murky? You're kind of like, ah, maybe sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Or is it clear that like... No, not at all. Like, in fact, they're kind of turned off by God once I'm done with them, right? Now, I'm not telling you necessarily what that may look like, but if you're honest, you'll know kind of where you're at. 
if people don't even know that you're involved with God, then you're not Joshua. Right? Aspire to be a Joshua. Secondly, understand that your influence has a limit. That was kind of one of the lessons learned, but it's also an application. Um, just like Joshua, his influence only lasted so long. So there's only like there's kind of a being people, right? We're not God. We have all kinds of limits placed on us. Our life is one. Like we don't live forever. And because we don't live forever, guess what doesn't last forever? My effect on this place and the people in it. And so influence would be wrapped up in that. And so Joshua didn't have a permanent influence and neither will we. And Joshua knew that uh, this, as he realized he could only control how he and his family operated. He didn't say like every generation after me in my house. He just said this house right now is going to be committed to serving God. And no matter how well you teach and lead, those you are teaching and leading may not do it themselves. Right? Even God talks about this when uh, in Proverbs, he talks about raising up children. The general rule is if you raise them in that teaching and admonition of the Lord, they won't depart from it. But is that always true? Unfortunately not. Right? Joshua committed, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But what happens when they're not in his house anymore? Both literally, like they, they leave the door, but also figuratively when they don't associate as part of his home. Right? Joshua understood as a person, he had limits on his influence. And uh, I know there are some of you in this room that are achievers. Uh, perfectionists, things of that sort, that this will bother more than other people. I personally don't have a struggle thinking people do their own thing. That's not difficult for me to swallow, but I know there are some of you that it's really hard to kind of keep your hands off things or not to have control or not to see it go exactly the way you planned for it to go. Just know as a Christian, that doesn't change. Your influence can be positive, it can be steady, it can be God-fearing and serving, of Jehovah, but at the end of the day, it has its limits. And that's what makes God God, because his influence doesn't. And finally, the bottom line, the most simple thing, application or whatever you can make from the example of Joshua, is that you, you commit to serving God. That's part, fundamentally part of aspiring to be a Joshua, and that's a big part of understanding your influence and its limits, is founded on this idea that you've actually committed to serving God. Um, others can only influence you. They cannot decide for you. So you must decide for yourself whether or not you're going to serve God or do whatever your family used to do or do whatever the crowds do, which is kind of what he's saying when he talks about those Amorites, right? You're in the land of the Amorites, you could serve their gods. Well, we're in the land of the United States in the 21st century. We could serve its gods, wealth, power, fame, whatever. Or we could serve Jehovah. Hey. We have to commit individually. What are you going to do? Josh, uh, the Joshuas of our day uh, have no bearing on our faithfulness. They influence us, but they don't make the decision for us.
nor do the unfaithful generations. You know, all the, the people around us that are bad influences, that are not spiritual at all, they don't make a decision for you. They may have an influence on you, but at the end of the day, they're still not deciding for you who you're serving. It goes both ways. So are you committed to serving God? What about applications? So these are all individual applications. Aspire to be a Joshua. Realize your, uh, your influence has limits and commit to serving God. But what about, and I realize what I'm saying here, about as a church. Now I said there are no uh, genera- uh, generational or corporate decisions. And that's not what I mean by this. But just think about a body of people, right? Like this church. Does this church have any Joshua's? Again, literally there's two of us, so we're covered, right? But really, do we have any Joshua's? Does this group have those people? Are there among us those who are influencing us for good? Not just like good people, people we enjoy, but like are actively encouraging us to know God and to see the work that the Lord is doing among us. Because that's what's cited in Judges 2 is the problem. They didn't know God and they didn't see God working or what he had done for them. Are there people in here that are teaching you about God and showing you his work in our lives? If there's not, that's a shame for us. Are they positively affecting generations in this church? What happens when, if, and if in your mind you've thought of a couple, or if you haven't, whatever, if you have, what happens when those Joshuas leave? You know, Joshua didn't live forever. That was his farewell speech in chapter 24. What happens when this church's Joshuas leave? Do we have a Judges 2 moment? Now that Joshua's gone, like, okay, well, maybe the people that knew Joshua while he was here, you know, will keep us together. But the moment Joshua and his friends leave, then we're really going down the tubes, right? Um, What happens? Will there be new Joshua's? You know, as people die, as people move away, is there going to be new, a new Joshua or new Joshua's? Will there be a generation that rises up in this group who knows God and serves him? Or was that, you know, yesterday? That's what we did with that last group of people. Or will this church not know the Lord and the work he has done for us? Very simple lesson today. I don't know why I decided to talk about this. And I, I was thinking about it for a while. I don't know why I picked today, and I'm not sure exactly why I'm talking about it the way I'm talking about it. I hope it's made sense. I just know that I've been thinking a lot about this because um, I've known this for a while. Um, and I mean this group wide for our small group here that we all have things going on in our lives. We all have ambitions and hopes and things that may pull us one way or yank us the other. And I know all of us won't be in each other's lives forever. I think that's what got me thinking about this is some of us have more obvious exit strategies like we have the next step plan. Some of us don't. But I know like this group will not be static until we all die. Like we're not all going to die in unison. We're not all going to move away in unison. And so what happens when this group and our individual like me as an individual and me as a part of this group things start to change 
Like, and you know, some of us may be the recipients of the Joshua 24 speech. We may be watching a Joshua go away, right? Or we may be the Joshua going away. If I'm if I'm the one going away, will I be able to look at you guys and say, I know they're going to serve the Lord. And if I'm the one watching Joshua go away, am I an, an elder, so to speak, saying we're going to serve the Lord despite Joshua being gone? I think that's why I've been chewing on this a lot. I think that's why I wanted to talk about this because um, I know some of us are going to move. Some of us are going to go elsewhere. Some of us may pass on. Some, I mean, things change, and we need to be constant in knowing the Lord and knowing that he's working among us. Um, I hope, Hopefully this lesson has been helpful for you. Um, it was a little different than my typical lesson, at least for me personally in prep- preparing, but... Um, I hope that you think about that. If there's anyone here this morning that, even though I haven't talked about uh, Jesus specifically, I haven't talked about the New Testament plan to to save us from our sins, I hope you know that um, God is working among us. Jesus Christ is the perfection of all His work for us. And that it's really Him and His work that saves us from our sins. So if there's anyone here that has a need, whether it's forgiveness of sins, whether it's some emotional stuff you're going through or personal stuff or whatever, if you want the prayers of this group, let someone know. Find someone you're comfortable talking to, me, whoever. Um, this this song that we're about to sing that Blake's going to lead us in is really your time to reflect on your needs and whatever's going on. Um, and if you want to make that known to us. So I'd encourage you to do that while we're singing this song.